Good morning, and welcome once again to Two Girls in a Pod. I'm Sharon. I'm Christy. And this is episode two. And episode two is on communication. You know, one of the things is, is as Christy and I have coffee in the mornings, and yes, every morning, um, that is our time where we just really have some great conversations, you know, so... This morning, our conversation is about communication and why it's important, why it's been important for our relationship. You know, what does it, how do we listen to people and hear, truly hear what they have to say? You know, I mean, this has been, we've had a friendship for 20, like 23 years. Yeah, something like 23 years. And it was interesting because we just really clicked with each other. We could just talk and talk. And we still talk and talk. Sometimes Christy wants to talk late at night after I've already talked for 10 hours a day to people. (laughs) But then she hasn't, so therefore she wants to tell me everything. Some stuff that's really important. Some stuff that's funny. Some stuff I may not get. (laughs) But anyway, it's still communication. I have to fill you in on the day. Yeah, and she waits right to that point where I'm just about to fall asleep sometimes. <laughs> but it's okay, because to me, anytime we communicate, it's really, really important. And, you know, our communication's not just with our, how we talk to each other. Our communication is our gratitude statements that we share daily. And we communicate through our body language. Kind of like, you know, when you think about when you were a kid and, Sometimes your parents didn't have to say a word to you, but you looked up and you saw the look. And everybody out there thinking, "Uh uh-huh, I've seen that look before. Well, that's a form of communication as well. And I don't know, why do you think it works for us? Because you give me the look. (laughs) (laughs) No, we, we really listen to each other. I think that that's what makes a difference. We have to give pause and really listen to what each other's saying. And I think that we've done that better recently than ever before. Slowing down and trying to receive the message. And I think that's the important thing. I think that sometimes we're so rushed. And I I know sometimes you'll be trying to give me important information. And especially if it's during my work day, I'm so focused on whatever's happening in that moment with the people I see or the next person I'm going to see that I know that sometimes I miss a lot of stuff. And then she'll come back and tell me something. They're like, like, why didn't we talk about that? (laughs) But we did. And so I think what we've learned is kind of to pause and make sure that we're being present. And, you know, I think that's such a huge thing is how do we be present in those moments with communication? I think that's one of the biggest problems is that people don't even realize they're so distracted and so in their mind on the next thing that they're not really hearing what the other person has to say. So a lot is lost. Well, I think another big piece of that is, is when oftentimes when we're having that communication and if there's an emotional response to it, we start to formulate our response before we even hear the person complete their whole comment. So therefore we're commenting on half of a true statement. And then as I always tell even my clients, and then the fight is on. Because now there's a whole string of miscommunication just simply due to the fact that we didn't pause long enough to truly hear the message. 
And Christy's right. We've gotten much, much better at that. But this is us. I think we practice this daily without realizing we're practicing it and that we really stop and listen to each other more now and pay attention to those messages a little bit better than we did even at the beginning of our relationship. But I think it's the just taking time. And, and I think in our communication, we have the ability to make somebody feel like they matter in that somebody's truly listening to them. Once again, nobody wants to feel invisible or like what they say isn't relevant to somebody else. And I think we really do well at working on that and not minimizing each other's thought process or feelings. And I don't know if that's really the, that's how I see it in my head. (laughs) But once again, I only see things from my perspective and that's when when we're talking, that's really the big thing is understanding that we speak only from our perception. And our perception is, we come to that perception based on everything from birth to the moment we're at in this right now. And I was talking to one of my clients and we were talking about the podcast and I said, well, what do you think the true first episode, the first episode we had was just kind of that introduction piece, but the topic and he's kind of looking at me and I says, well, what do, you, what do we always talk about that's so relevant in his communication? And his response was, oh my gosh, all of every episode can be about communication because in everything we do, there is communication. And he's right. Think about everything, how much of our life is the way in which we communicate with somebody else. And, you know, communication, I think people get confused because Oftentimes people think communication is what I'm saying. And if I'm saying it from, say, a first person thing, you know, we in therapy, we talk about using those I messages because I can only talk about what I'm feeling. Another thing, as soon as somebody says, well, you and they use that once again, the fight is on because <laughs> we don't want people to tell us what we're thinking and feeling because those are the things that are truly ours that nobody else knows about until we express those things. So it's kind of that, to me, it's kind of our private piece of us, or if we want to keep it private anyway. But using that first piece of that communication is the I message. And people think, and you know, I've done this for uh, a bit, and I do a lot on communication is I'll say, well, I said my I statements, and I said, yeah, but did you actively listen? And what that means is, if I'm talking to Christy, and we and we'll talk this, and sometimes I'll even ask you, what does that mean or what, or I don't understand or, cause I think it, that enhances the communication because if I don't ask those questions and then I misinterpret something she says, and now I'm responding to something that's not even part of the statement or what she's saying. Now we're having a miscommunication and we have those occasionally cause she's obviously not listening. <laughs> well, I think that's just the, norm with people they are like you say usually formulating their their response prior to even hearing the whole message and you can only come from your own perception but unless you stop to listen to the other person's perception of what's happening you're not going to make a difference it's going to be the same miscommunication over and over And I think what's interesting, too, is I always tell my clients and I just tell people, you know, one of the things we have to do is we have to speak our truth. 
And somebody asked me, well, what if the other person's truth isn't the truth? I said, we're talking about somebody's perception once again. Truth is based on a perception. That's all it is. It's based on your perception of whatever you've heard. Now, it doesn't mean we have to accept somebody else's statement as our truth. And I think that's where people get confused. It's kind of like saying, well, I feel like you're mad today. Christy's response might be, no, I'm not mad. But uh, what I find is that, and that's even in a more personal relationship, but we do that all the time, even in passing with people. Somebody say comes into your office and maybe they're having a bad day, but you don't know what kind of day they've had, but the way they present to you, you feel like that person doesn't like me or they, you think it's against you. People always take it so personal, even though it may have nothing to do with you. And sometimes that's that nonverbal communication. Like you said, they can just come in, maybe not as friendly that day or But once again, and we're going to talk a lot about the four agreements. And, you know, if you haven't read that book or if you don't know about it, it's really something that I use a lot. We use it in our personal life, but also in my professional life, I use that. And the four agreements are be impeccable with your word. In other words, speak your truth. Do not take things personally. Not everything is about us. And I always tell my clients, as much as I want the world to revolve around me, it does not. Okay. And don't make assumptions is the third one. Do not assume. And the fourth is do your best. If you listen to those four things, and if we could even follow some of those, or at least improve on it, because Christy's right, once again, we make assumptions. And when we make that assumption, even in our communication, we will assume with the other person, or I love this too, You might make a statement, but the person is thinking, "Uh uh-huh, but what do they really mean by that? (laughs) And they start going in their head and they create this whole other conversation that's not even based on what's being talked about in that moment. And I feel like that's so much where breakdowns in communication come. We are not in the moment. We are not true to ourselves in that moment and we're not true to the person that we're communicating with. And I think that is where we start having so more issues. And it can be anything. I think people who are anxious, sometimes they're anxious because they're always trying to anticipate or they're thinking too much about how other people are feeling about them or thinking about them or all these other things, you know. Same thing with depression. People don't like me. We take on other people's opinions as our truth. Somebody else's opinion is their truth. It is their narrative. My narrative is mine. And really working on how do you break that down in a way that you can still be okay and not take those opinions as yours. And we've all heard them. We've heard those statements and we've taken them and we've kind of run with them. And then we realize we develop a part of our life around this opinion that's not even true. And if you sit and you think, what is that one statement that you've heard? And, you know, we we see that with kids who may misbehave a little bit or a lot. I've had some of those in my career, but then they get this reputation. So then what happens is it really does go into that self-fulfilling prophecy. If you say that I am this, I will become this. 
but we, we a lot of people do that. You're lazy. You don't know how to handle this. It can be anything. I think people start to believe that about themselves, and then you're right. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way, because then you you lose your power. You lack confidence then. You don't believe in yourself because you have taken their truth as your own. Do you ever have one of those thoughts in your head where it's like a pivotal moment? As you've been on this journey too, because you've been on the really, we've been on a journey together, but an individual journey as well. Do you ever sit back and think of any of those thoughts that got in the way of you being successful? Do you know what I mean? About becoming healthy. I didn't know that I had the power. To, it doesn't make sense because you think that you have the power to to decide what you intake and what you're, what's going to be healthy for you. But when you grow up like with certain patterns, then you get used to those and you, you repeat it over and over and you don't realize that you have the power to change. And so, yeah, I grew up believing that my body shape wasn't what I wanted it to be, but I didn't believe I could have anything else. And I just needed to educate myself and understand how to do that and make those changes. So yeah, I received those messages and I just believed that this is the way it was and I couldn't change it. And not necessarily that it's all verbally said to you, but just through behaviors as well. You were very much getting something was being communicated to you that it was okay to eat the unhealthy foods. It was okay to not have that physical activity or whatever it was. And that communication can be too, is trying something and then somebody saying, well, why are you doing that? That's stupid. What do, what do you think that's going to help? Because there are things like that. You know, when kids start to, a kid will might want to go and start running. Well, why are you running? You're not even good at it or those kind of things. And in that moment, that communication really, now that child takes that on as their own. So that's why communication is so important because it can communication can be so extremely positive and empowering. But at the same time, the flip side of that is it can be so negative and it can destroy individuals. And that's why communication and how we communicate is so important and why it should be something that people practice and have a conscious awareness to. What are my words saying? What is my nonverbal communication communicating to somebody else. What does it say about my character? What does it say about me as a human being? All of those things that are so relevant and important. I think we get those messages and it's hard to get out of that headspace. Hence why as a therapist, I'm going to continue to have a job because people once again are taking somebody else's opinion and making it their version of themselves. And it doesn't match. You know, I tell my clients, that doesn't match. And because it doesn't match, that causes that incongruency. And through that, that person struggles with who the core, who the, who is their true core self say versus the opinions of others that they've taken on. And that's why there's unhappiness. That's why there's anxiety because they don't match up. But then it's how do I change that? And, and I think sometimes it's just, simply by finding that one person who you can talk with freely, you can express, you can learn more about yourself and do all of those things that 
really enhance your life. But it all starts with communication, whether it's that verbal communication or nonverbal communication. And just be the one, too, who listens. Be the one who is present with somebody. And to be present doesn't mean for an hour. It can be five minutes. It can be five seconds that we have that ability to truly be present with another human being and how much power that can have is I see it. I see it in my practice. I see it in my relationships. I feel like we have some amazing, amazing relationships. And I think the reason why is because a lot of those relationships, it's about how we communicate with people. And I know we're very fortunate because we got to finally go out and have uh, breakfast with our team. So there's uh, a total of four clinicians. Oh, five clinicians, and then Christy. And Christy's kind of the, in our office, she's kind of the glue. (laughs) Because not only does Christy communicate with my clients, when people come in, she's the face that the other clinicians, clients see first. And so what is that like for you? Because once again, it's not just about my clients, but what, what do you feel like with your communication or or how you handle all those people that come in because you are that first person and that communication is so, so important and relevant. Well, even though they are not your clients, I want everyone to feel welcome there. So I've made it my goal to make people feel welcome when they come in, no matter who they're there to see. Because I think that that is important. Even like I said, even if I don't work directly with those clinicians and those people, they're going to come in there all the time. They're going to see me and I want them to feel happy and, you know, welcome to be there. And I know this really happens because I'll go into session. And when I come out, Christy is sitting outside and the person, not my clients, it could be any of the clinicians, clients is sitting there having coffee with Christy and they're having these conversations and some come in early, even uh, remember, this is all pre-COVID, but they would come in early in order to have time to visit with Christy or someone will tell her, I'll have a cup of coffee. And then they have a cup of coffee and are talking to her. And how do you manage that though? Cause you're also, you also have a job to do. Cause you know, I'm out there like, yo girl, you got a work to do. What's going on here? And here she is. These people are wanting their Christy time. Well, I feel like that. It's only going to help them to improve if they have that time. If that's what they need, I hope that they're getting what they need from their therapy. But if they need a little socialization in that time, I'm happy to to have that time with them too. And it's interesting because even with, you know, now, because I do, we do telehealth now. So we work out of our home at this time. And sometimes my clients will say, well, where's Christy? I haven't seen her in a while. Can I hi- say hi to Christy? So um, they're like, okay, let's pause session to do this, shall we? <laughs> and of course, because that is in that moment and that's what's important and relevant to them. So um, they're like yelling because Christy has her earbuds in and cannot hear absolutely anything. Or I'll have to text her, could you please come down here, you know? <laughs> but then she she does. She'll pause her, well, she pauses whatever she's doing. She comes downstairs. She says hello. She She engages with them. That's that communication. And I'm happy to do that. 
I miss seeing them too. I've met a lot of great people. And she's learned a lot about different people because they share a lot of stuff with her. She knows about their kids and grandkids and all of that other, and probably more. I, I don't ever ask. <laughs> and I'm always quick to say, oh, well, I'm glad that you're, you're here and just pause on that and you'll, you'll be with your therapist shortly and you'll be able to talk that over with them. Because <laughs> Christy says the therapist, she is not. <laughs> That's not my part. No. And, and I appreciate that too. She doesn't go into those places. I don't uh, need to overstep. Yeah, but it's still that communication. It's that inviting uh, conversation that people have. And when we have that inviting conversation with people, there's a comfort in it. So they even see and feel that relaxation coming over them. And it's a great feeling. So communication on so many levels in those brief moments, you know, when you're out and about and it's that uh, friendly hello and I tell people sometimes we don't know in those moments what that means to somebody else, somebody who may feel like they're invisible to have that visibility, even in a good morning, how are you? In that brief moment, they're visible and there is such power in that. And once again, that is our human kindness and our human connectedness that we should have more of. And once again, communication, guess what? It's free. And it can do so much. But once again, it also has that flip side, that dark side where we use words. And I always tell people when I'm talking to them and I'm dealing with couples or parent-child relationships and, and I listen to that communication and sometimes it's, it's so negative or it's spoken in such a authoritative tone, you know, or all of those things. And, and I always tell people, do you speak to your friends this way? Do you speak to your employer this way? And obviously the response is, oh my God, of course I'm not going to talk to them that way. And I'm there like, why would you speak that way to the people who love you and you love? I do not understand that. And in all the years I've done this and in my life, I do not understand that. Because one of the things I do and has been so important is I, I do my best to not speak down to people or negative or use those, that kind of verbiage that I, I don't want to hurt people. That is not my goal in life. And I don't understand it sometimes when I hear people, whether it's out in public or whatever it is. And an example, I, we were at the, our uh, King Supers and, or in the fruit and vegetable aisle, and the, the dad tells the little boy, probably maybe six years old, something like that, to go get a couple of whatever fruit. The boy comes back with three. And the dad gets very mad at him. And he's talking to him in a mean tone. He goes, what are you, stupid? You don't know what a couple is? And the little boy goes, no. And so he's he's talking, and he's he's really being mean, mean to this I felt it was me and I'm watching and the man must have realized I was watching because he kind of paused and he looks over and I'm just standing looking at him and he put his hand on the little boy's shoulder and he goes, a couple is just two. Okay. I just need two. Now, why did it take a stranger looking at him to correct his action when all he had to do was communicate that in the first place? Sweetie, two means that was a great learning moment, a teaching moment. 
a learning moment for the child and a teaching moment for the parent or whoever. I don't know if it was his parent. I made that. That's an assumption. But to say, hun, a couple means two. And so go take the other one back or whatever. Once again, that's that communication. And when I see that kind of communication, I think, why do we get so frustrated with people when they make a mistake or whatever it is? It's life. And, and once again, there are those teaching moments that we're really missing. And I don't know. And, you know, the other thing I always talk to our clients about are fair fighting rules. And they're like, what does that mean? <laughs> Christy and I, in the years we've been together, what is one rule that we always have? We don't name call. No. In the years we've been together, I promise you, we have not name called. And I don't care at what point in our relationship, because every relationship has ups and downs. We sometimes our communication in some moments really sucked, <laughs> but it was brief moments. Thank goodness. Cause it's still an evolution. And this was years ago. Cause since then, you know, it's it, a lot of stuff changes and we evolve, you know, and just circumstances in life in general. But even in those worst moments with us, we never name called. And I think the other thing is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things is, is we always every day, at some point throughout that day, we'll tell each other that we love each other. Yeah. I don't think we missed a day. No. Why is that important for you, though, the the no-name calling and stuff like that? Well, I think that those things can stay with you. Even once the anger is gone, I think those negative words have a tendency to stay with you. And so I feel like that even though there's an apology or that, there is something to that that stays with a person and you don't want to recall it later and feel the hurt of that. And I feel like we have avoided a lot of that by establishing that rule. Do you feel like in your life, because I often think about that too, but do you ever feel like in your life that those negative comments, wherever they come from, whether it's a teacher, a parent, a spouse, a friend, or whatever, whoever that is, do you feel like those negative comments, even if they're few or far between, are what kind of stick in your head? They can. And I don't feel like that it's always even something the other person says. Sometimes it can be something that you say. Oh, okay. And you will think of that later. And still carry maybe the sadness that, oh, I should never have said that to that person. And so I feel like it can come from either side that that, that might stick out in your mind and play out somewhere down the line. So you're taking it more from a remorse. You have remorse over something you would say to somebody else versus what somebody else says to you. Do you think there's more significance to one or the other or... I don't know if there's more significance, but I feel like that either way can be really detrimental. Or at least, you know, like I said, there could be the apology that follows and all is good. But I feel like that somewhere down the line, you may think of that again, whether it was something you said or something that they said, and it brings up a little hurt. How do you resolve that? I mean, what do you do about it? I feel like that you rectify that by through action and just know that you're doing your best every day. 
to show that person, I said that in anger, but I didn't mean it. Well, and I think the difference is too, is if we do say those things in anger and or, or those hurtful things is, did my behavior change from there? And did my com- way I communicate with somebody change from there? Because if you apologize for something and two days later, you're using the same verbiage with them, then nothing's changed. Right. You know, and I think that's what you're saying is that it's through time you, you change, you don't stay in that moment. And from there, you just do your best to make whatever that comment was, help the other person know it really wasn't as relevant. It was something that was more spoken in anger. Yes. But I feel like that that, having that rule established from the beginning, I don't know, it, it sets a boundary for yourself that it's a hardcore line you're not going to cross. And I really feel like it avoids the potential for more hurt along the way. So I really feel like with that, because we don't do that and we haven't done that, that is something everybody I believe should be capable of. If you're going to set that standard for yourself, that you, you don't cross that line. We haven't in all of that time. And I'm not sure why. um, I think when we go into name calling, We don't use profanity at each other or name calling or any of those kind of things. And I don't think, and you know, sometimes people say, well, it's because, because I'll hear this. Well, it's because you are two women. No, we all, as, as we age and we, we evolve, we all have the ability. I control what comes out of my mouth, not somebody else. You know what I mean? Nobody makes me say it. I say that if I say something, it's me. And I, and that's the other thing with our communication is how do we take accountability for the words that we speak? Because the words we speak have power. They have power, but they also are about the core of who you are. What do you mean? Well, I feel like that if I'm the kind of person that can name call the person I love most, what does that say about me? I feel like that I have a a standard of myself, not just to you, that I want to to keep. I want that to be important. And I, okay. And I think it's even because sometimes I'll, uh, when we're out and about, I'll tell Christy, I will be the first to admit, sometimes I can have a little bit of a potty mouth. I can use a little bit of profanity but not towards people. I just like to use profanity. (laughs) Sometimes the way it rolls off your tongue sounds pretty cool. You know, those kind of things. But what I really do is when I'm out and about, I do my best to watch what I say. Number one, because children are around and and then people are around. I don't feel like we should be that way around people in general, you know, disrespectful. And I learned my lesson because I was in uh, the store one day and I was looking at clothes or something. And I ran my arm into the side of the thing and it kind of hurt. So I kind of used a little bit of profanity. And right after I used the profanity, two kids that were my clients come running up and they're like, oh, thank God, you know, that they weren't there when I did this. So it gave me a little check and balance, like be aware. But I think it's like Christy said, it's about who our character too. Our verbiage represents in a way, or at least 
signifies to others what kind of person we are. And in doing that, how do we have a balance in that? Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about communication and we're going to, and the next couple of episodes, it's going to be around communication because how do we communicate? How do we communicate with children? How do we communicate with our partners? How do we just communicate in general? How do we communicate in our work area? Because sometimes that's one of the areas that we also look at, you know, that I work with is if somebody comes and they're having a hard time with understanding communication or how they're communicating or, and the other big thing is understanding that we do not all communicate the same way. Not everybody is neurotypical, meaning not everybody has the same, what we would call quote unquote normal brain. There are a lot of people out there who do not have that normal brain, so to speak. And so their vocabulary is going to be different. The way they hear messages is going to be very different. I work a lot with people on the autism spectrum. They communicate very differently. And one of the best compliments I got was from one of my um, young ladies I was seeing on the autism spectrum. And she told me, Miss Sharon, you speak autism. And that was such a great compliment because what it meant was I was communicating and she could understand me. So therefore she could understand me. We could have a much deeper relationship, so to speak. And what a wonderful compliment. And I cherish that compliment from that young lady. And when we can speak the language, so to speak, of another human being, but it means we have to take the time to understand also how they're communicating. And if it's different ways, then let it be different ways. It doesn't always have to be the same. We don't communicate in our relationships, all of our relationships, we don't communicate the same way because the other person, the other person tells us or gives us some information of how they want to be, how they want that communication to be. Wouldn't you agree? Because do you, you don't communicate with everybody the same way? No. I feel like not only do you set that precedence, but so does the other person. There are, there, you know, people come at you in different ways with how they communicate. So you, you adjust as you go. But listening is always the main thing because they are, they're going to see things differently and you you have to give pause to that and, and let them say their piece. Because like you say, if, if you're formulating an answer before that, you may be getting it all wrong. <laughs> and that does happen. It's like, oh, what was that? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think once again, communication and as my client said, in every one ep- episode, you may hear that word and Remembering, because those four agreements to to be impeccable with your word once again, that is speak the tr- speak your truth. That's such a big, huge part of that effective communication. Don't take things personally, because as soon as I take something personally, it's now changed that communication. Because now I've made it about me, when sometimes it's not about me. Don't make assumptions. Don't assume what somebody is saying if you don't know ask. The problem is, though, many times I think that people think they do know. 
So they don't ask. They don't even stop to think to ask because they think they already know what this person is saying. That's the, that's the reason they're coming up with this answer prior to hearing the whole message. And once again, that's that assumption. I'm assuming I know what they're going to say. But this is the thing I tell people. If I'm having a conversation with Christy and I'm speaking and then the way she's responding and I'm thinking in my head, well, that doesn't even make any sense. That's not what I'm saying at all. If I don't sit there and say, what did you hear me say? Or why would you say that? Or whatever, whatever that response is. Or if I don't just ask, I have already been, I, as soon as I am questioning that, I know the other person's not hearing me. I know that there is a misunderstanding with how they're perceiving what I'm saying. And that fourth agreement, do your best. If you do your best in all of those first three, then communication and even that decrease in drama in your life is going to happen. Because once again, that is all a breakdown in communication. And communication, once again, is what I speak, what I hear in my interpretation. Those are three really key things and really, really important things to our communication. But sometimes our fear of asking, our fear of our fear will keep us from speaking our truth, but our fear will also keep us from hearing a truth. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how fear comes into play when we communicate. And that will be part of our next episode is how do we take the fear out of what we say and how do we take the fear out of what others say to us and accepting stuff sometimes we don't want to accept. Those are really, really important things too as far as communication. We are so grateful once again that you've all joined us and we really hope that you're enjoying this. Please get on Facebook and uh, check it out and write some comments. You know, once again, please use your effective communication and be kind about it. This is new to us and it's, it's, it's something that we really want to do and we really want to have you guys participate in some way. Invite you into this conversation because we want to know what your thoughts are on these topics as well. And giving some constructive critiques of what we're doing is always welcome as well. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. And we really look forward to our next podcast and be kind, be present with others, speak your truth and We look forward to catching up next time. Bye.